Welcome to day two of week five, our last week of the book of Joshua together. We're talking about how you and I possess God's promises in our daily lives, how we drive out the enemy, how we yesterday anticipate God's presence. That's how you possess God's promises. Today, we look at a third principle, and that is you act upon assurance. You act upon the assurance of God's presence. You anticipate it beforehand, and then when you get in the situation, you act upon the assurance of God's presence. The thing to remember about this is that God's promises come with an address on them, and it's yours. It's your life. It's what God wants to do in you and who you are. We miss so much of what God wants to do in our lives because we read other people's names into God's promises. That one's addressed to my pastor. That one's addressed to my children. That one's addressed to my neighbor. We have to allow a truth from Joshua to sink into our lives so that we begin to see our names attached to God's promises. In chapter 21, verses 43 to 45, there are some amazing verses about what God did for the people of Israel all through this book of Joshua. They fully express these verses, the faithfulness of God. They give us the assurance of his willingness to carry out his promises in our lives even today. But embedded in these words of assurance are some key attitudes that you and I must have, we have to have, if we're going to act on this assurance in our lives. So let me read for you verses 43 to 45. Listen for the attitudes, and we'll go back and look at three or four key phrases. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their forefathers. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord handed all their enemies over to them. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Now that is a life of victory. That's a life of enjoying God's promises. That's really the end of the story in many ways of the book of Joshua before the next story begins. God fulfilled every one of his promises. Look back with me at three key phrases in this fulfillment that is talked about in these verses. First, the phrase, the Lord gave. The Lord gave Israel all this land. It's a reminder that if I'm going to anticipate God's promises and then act upon the assurance of his presence, I have to realize it's something that's given. Promises come gift-wrapped, not in pay envelopes. They don't come in pay envelopes. Maybe you're trying to deserve God's promises. Maybe you're trying to build assurance for receiving God's promises upon your works, even if they're spiritual works, how often I go to church, how much I read the Bible, how many verses I've memorized. That is the wrong foundation to build on. Sometimes we have this payday attitude towards God's promises. Lord, I'll go to church every Sunday if you'll do this for me. Someday, maybe I'll be good enough to receive God's promises in my life. Or the worst, when I'm like him, when I'm like her, then I'm going to have the same experience of God's promises. Is your picture of receiving God's promises some kind of payday, spiritual payday? It's the wrong picture. Promises come gift-wrapped. They're more like Christmas Day than payday. Picture in your mind a gift with your name tag on it when you picture a promise. Now, yes, promises have conditions, but those conditions are always about trust to receive and not being perfect enough to earn the promise. So God gave. They were involved in what God gave. They had work to do, but God gave. He gave the land. He gave them rest. He gave them victory over all their enemies. The place you live, the rest you get, the victories that you have, do you see those things as God's gifts? 
the place you live, the rest you get, the victories you have, do you see those as God's gifts? That attitude is vital for the kind of assurance that acts on God's promises. The vital difference is then our assurance rests squarely upon his grace and not not on our shoulders, which are pretty weak. The Lord gave. Then there's a second phrase. As he had sworn to their fathers. To their fathers. This promise did not come about in a day. Their fathers did not see the fulfillment even of this promise, but they did. This is a reminder that promises take time. Israel had waited about 500 years to re-enter this promised land. Individually, as you look back through the history of Israel, Abraham waited 25 years for the promised son, Isaac. Joshua and Caleb wandered 40 years in the desert waiting to get back in to receive the promise. Jesus waited 30 years to begin his public ministry. And we've been waiting almost 2,000 years for Jesus' second coming. They waited several times that for his first coming into this world. Part of the assurance to act upon God's promises comes from the willingness to wait on God's promises. God's will does not blossom in a day, but neither does it wilt in a week. It is solid, it is secure, but sometimes we must wait for it. And promises are more like oak trees than mushrooms. Mushrooms can sprout up quickly in your yard and a day all of a sudden you have a mushroom. But an oak tree grows slowly, but once it has grown, it is solid, it stands firm. God is building toward eternity. That is something worth remembering in our instant society. There's no such thing as an overnight express promise. God, could I get that sent overnight express? There's no such thing. God's promises will sometimes show themselves to be real in your life immediately. There's no doubt about that. But it's just as likely that they will take time to find their fulfillment in your life. And some kind of an express male expectation tied to God's promise will quickly destroy your assurance. Because you'll think, God, you promised, but you're not doing it. And God is saying, yes, I'm doing it. It's not in your timing, though. It's in my timing. And a willingness to wait is a cornerstone of trust. God gave. Remember, it's a gift. As he had sworn to their fathers, remember, it's a gift that we have to wait for sometimes. But then a third phrase, in fact, a third set of words. You see, as you read through these verses, the words all and every, and all, and every one of the promises. Don't miss the real eyebrow elevator in these verses. All, every, all, all, not one failed, every one was fulfilled. God promises with a view to accomplishing what he has promised. He may do it through your life, through somebody else's life, but God promises with a view to accomplishing what he has promised. God's promises are more than some spiritual carrot dangling in front of the Christian to get you to take the next faith step you need to take. They're real. God wants to do something in this world. He wants to do something in this world through your life. They're a banquet table that's set and spread and intended for eating. God wants to be at work. To have an assurance, to act upon God's promise, means you have to have an expectation that God is at work in this world, that God wants to do something through your life to make a difference. That old phrase, those who shoot at nothing always hit it. The question is, what are you expecting? I know too many believers who tell themselves they're not going to really reach for God's promises because then they might be disappointed. They'll just live a, a, a sort of a normal, they say, Christian life, knowing God loves them, but they're not going to really reach. And so they settle for quiet lives of defeat and sometimes even despair. I would rather have the disappointment 
of not reaching a promise of God than the despair of sitting, waiting for nothing to happen. I'd rather have that any day. But the amazing thing is that's not what happens. When you begin to reach forward with expectation that God will do what he has said he will do, we find not disappointment, but fulfillment. We find struggle, too, because he doesn't do it when we want him to do it, and he doesn't do it how we want him to do it. No, no doubt, you will struggle with it. But in the end, there's this deep fulfillment. God is working in this world, and I got to be a part of it. What are you expecting God to do? Are you expecting him to forgive? Are you expecting him to give abundant life? Are you expecting him to make your burdens light? Are you expecting him to give you wisdom and direction? Are you expecting him to change your habits and attitudes? Are you expecting him to save you for eternity? You expect based on the promises of God, and then you act based on that expectation. So based on this teaching from Joshua, right now take up a new assurance regarding God's promises. Expect that what God says will happen will happen. Be willing to wait for what God says will happen to happen. But then realize, in the end, it's not about me. It's about God and him accomplishing what he wants to accomplish in this world and my privilege of being a part of it. And let that new assurance challenge you to act in faith today. Jesus, that's what I want. That's what we want. We want to be people of faith, not controlled by our circumstances or our worries, but instead led, directed, guided, by your promises, by your presence, by your power. So let that be true in our lives today. Lord, when we have to wait, give us the patience we need. When we need to step forward, give us the courage that we need. And in all of it, help us to remember it is about you and what you're doing in this world and not about us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, we're gonna look at the importance of our words when it comes to receiving God's promises. (laughs) 